It's Parshas Noach, and it's the uh, the Jewish month named Cheshvan, uh, which follows Tishrei. So it's the it's the second month of the year, and it has a uh, a lot of different attributes. Every single month of the year um, has a tribe that's connected to it, a um, an attribute that needs to be corrected, uh, a letter from the Olive Base, a letter of the uh, Holy Alphabet. Um, there are Parshas, certain Parshas that we always read. So every single month has a, a very distinctive personality. Also, there, there are historical events that have occurred during that month which are very representative of the energy um, and personality of that month. And one of the most um, personality-driven months of the year uh, we're in right now. It's this month of Cheshvan. So I want to go through... Um, a deeper analysis of what the character of this month is, and particularly what we can do about it. Because um, some, some, some months, it feels like um, there's an opportunity available, and you can go toward that opportunity. Other months have a very aggressive character to it, where it's coming to you, and you have to be in a proper... Um, place in order to manage that energy which is coming at you. And Cheshvin is one of those months where the energy, I would like to explain in, 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 in quite a bit of detail, is not just coming at you, it's zooming, it's zooming right at your face. So, so given that, I think one has to be um, particularly prepared for this month and, um, and its somewhat exacting nature. So, so let's begin. Let's begin by talking about really the dual, the dual energy of Cheshvan, and and go through um, a number of the different things about it, where you'll see where you'll see that there's um, there's on on a very superficial level there's this um, duality, um, or if you want to put it in a different way, almost like a schizophrenic nature to to Cheshvin on a superficial level. And yet, when we go a little bit deeper, we'll see that both of those components are actually coming from the same place, and they're coming from a very good place. It's just the way it's manifesting itself can be, um, can be very challenging. So, so the, best, the best aspect of this duality of Cheshvin can be um, expressed in the, in the following way, which is the flood that wiped out the world, um, the, the story, as we know, of, of Noah, the rain started in Cheshvin, the 17th of the month of Cheshvin. So, so you see that Cheshvin is a month that's sort of targeted, in a way, seemingly for destruction. And yet, on the other hand, you see another aspect of Cheshvin, which is that the third base Hamigdash is going to be dedicated in Cheshvin. So that's, um, that's two very, very different things. <laughs> here you have the flood wiping out the world in Cheshvin, and then here you have the perfection of the world achieving its realization in Cheshvin. Okay, so here we see some real opposites, but we're going to go deeper into this. The letter for the month of Cheshvin is the letter Nun, Nun can stand really for two things. Nun can stand like in Ashrei, each 
Each letter has a pasuk dedicated to the, to the letter, except for the letter Nun, because it stands for, according to King David, Nofal, which means to fall. So given the fact that it, it symbolizes spiritual falling, King David didn't just leave it out, but he tucked it in with the next letter, which is Samach, which stands for uplifting the fallen. So he put the Nun with the Samach. Actually, you know, Samach and, and Nun, or Nun and Samach, spell out the word Nes. Sometimes it takes a miracle. <laughs> but... But uh, nonetheless, it's also, it also means a banner, a sign of, of, of what, what God does really all the time, every moment. So, so anyway, nun can mean nofal, which means to fall. But nun also stands for the number 50, which stands for the shara chamishim, the 50th gate, which is the top of heaven. So again, you see in this letter, which is um, assigned to the month of Cheshvin, this duality. On the one hand, it means to fall. On the other hand, it, it symbolizes the very top of heaven. The tribe of Cheshvin is Menasha. Menasha, in addition to being one of the sons of Yosef, is probably historically most famous, the name is probably most famous, by the fact that it was basically the worst king ever of the Jewish people. And yet, if you rearrange the letters of Menasha, it spells out neshama, which symbolizes one soul. It means one soul. Again, it means great heights of spirituality. So we see in the letter for the month, Nun, this duality. We see in the tribe of the month, this duality. We see in the historical events that have happened, and that will happen, this duality. So why this crazy nature of Cheshvin? Where is it coming from? So when we go a little bit deeper right now, I think that you'll see that, that there's something very um, primal attached to it, which is this notion that Cheshvin follows Tishrei. Again, Tishrei is the month where all of the Jewish people are like standing with so to speak, spiritually speaking, jackhammers, <laughs> and we're all drilling away at the heavens for an entire month. And I mean all of the Jewish people, even those who even have a sort of more erratic connection with the religion, are all in shul, drilling away at the heavens, opening up tremendous gates, and as a result of all of this incredible avoda, heavenly work, there is a tremendous downpouring of energy from Tishrei, and it's all coming into this month. So there's like a, just a, a torrent, a torrent of divine energy coming down this month in Cheshvin. I'll show you another connection between the months of Tishrei and Cheshvin. Something interesting that I noticed. Um... Every month also has an arrangement of the Shem Habaya, the Yudke Vavke. So the month of Cheshvin is Vav, Hey, Hey, and Yud. And um, the B'nai Yisachar brings this down from uh, Mishnah's Chasidim, which is an ancient text. 
And there's a Pusik that's assigned to this arrangement of the letters. And you'll see there's something very interesting about this. It's from Devarim. It's chapter 26, verses 15 and 16. And the words which correlate, you'll see, uh, I'll just read the words straight out, but you'll see each of the letters of the next four words that I'm going to read to you are in correlation with the arrangement of the letters of Hashem's name for the month, which once again is Vav and He and He and Yud. So here's the Pasuk. Udavash Hayom Hashem I'm sorry, let me say it again. Udavash Hayom Hazeh Hashem meaning spelled with the Yud. Yud Hei Vav Yeah? Udavash Hayom Hazeh Hashem. So, what's, what is so striking about that? And let me translate it for you. What it means is, what it, what it means is, uh, honey, Udavash is honey, okay? Honey, this day, Hashem. <laughs> honey, this day, Hashem. Alright, let me read to you, um, The two psukim in their entirety. Alright? Well, there's something that I have to explain first. You see, most times, it may be all times, I haven't checked through them all, but most times, when you have um, a pasuk relating to the arrangement of Hashem's name, it's all coming from one pasuk. Okay? Either from the beginning of the pasuk or the middle of the pasuk, but it's all one Pasuk. What's very striking about this Pasuk from Cheshvan is that it's coming from two Psukim. It's coming from the end of one Pasuk and going into another Pasuk. Here you see that there's something integral about the month that's linking two things together. And I would like to suggest that this is another, another hint about the nature of the character and the personality of Cheshvan that it's married, so to speak, to Tishra. And if you think of honey, how does honey work? How does honey move? Honey drips, right? So we're starting with the honey of Tishra, and we know it's not just honey is, is integral to Tishra, because honey is the month, and Tishra is the month where we dip our bread in honey. Honey is the key thing of Tishra. If you need a food to describe Tishra, it's honey. So the last word is honey, and it then drips down into the next Pasuk. Okay? So honey, that's the end of the previous Pasuk, that's, that's Tishrei. This day, Hashem. Okay, so here you've got the connection of the energy of Tishrei coming down, dripping down into Cheshvan. Just um, because I have it in front of me, let me read to you both Pesukim in their entirety. It's interesting because you'll see the first Pasuk really is very, very spiritual and is describing Tishrei. And the next Pasuk is much more practical. And that's going to be an important um, guide to where we're going in this talk and what our work is and how we can, so to speak, protect ourselves during this month. So starting with the Pasuk number 15, again I'm reading from uh, Devarim 26.15 now. Gaze down from your holy abode from the heavens, and bless your people Israel, and the ground you gave us, as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now the next passage. This day Hashem your God commands you 
to perform these decrees and statutes, and you shall observe them and perform them with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Do you hear? There's a very different energy. The first one is very spiritual. Gaze down. It's very lofty from your abode. And the next one is bang. Hashem commands you. Right? It's like two, it's a real radical shift in energy. Um, and we're going to see it now. Okay, so now, how does it work? How does it work? Basically, imagine you're thirsty. Okay? You're very, very thirsty. And I want to give you a drink. So what do I do? I take a fire hose, which blasts water, and I put it next to your face, and I turn it on full blast. <laughs> Can you drink the water? It's going gonna, it's gonna to rock it off of your face, I'm telling you. You're lucky if you get a few drops. Maybe you'll get a few drops. I hope you'll be able to swallow them. I mean, bang! Right? But again, doesn't that make sense? Tishrei, all of Israel, is in shul the whole month. Davening, 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 davening. And then boom, Cheshvin comes and the downpour starts. Do you think that it's a coincidence that at the end of Tishrei we pray for rain? We say we pray for rain. And I heard, I, I was privileged with my own ears to hear, I was in the Karlbach shul many years ago, and I heard Reb Shlomo say right before they said the prayer for rain, he announced to the Kehila, he says, all of the things that we've been davening for, and he held his fingers very close together, he said, it's this far away from the ground, this far away from hitting the ground. And now we're going to daven for rain, and that's going to be the, the final bringing down of the bruchas. That's at the end of Tishrei. Right? Then, what happens? The rain starts. And as we said, the month of Cheshvin, following Tishrei, is when the flood started. The flood that wiped out the world. But here's the thing. Did it have to wipe out the world? Okay, so now let's move to the next, the next step, okay? So, so far we've described the personality of Cheshvin. It's the month of the flood, but it's also the month of, uh, that the third base of Mikdash is going to be dedicated. Okay, we've seen the duality of it. We see now the attachment, the connection between Cheshvin and Tishrei. And now we're going to get a little bit deeper, okay? Believe it or not, Rabbi Wolfson brings down that the month that when Hashem brought the flood, really what He desired to do at this time was to give the Torah to the world. He wanted to give the Torah to the world at this point in history. Not only that, but the deeper Torah sources say that Moshe Rabbeinu, who received the Torah, you know, along with all of Israel, that Moshe Rabbeinu is a reincarnation, a Gilgul of Noach. And one of the most exciting places that you see this, there are many, 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 many connections between Moshe and Noah. Just think of the Teva, for instance, the ark that Noah went into. And when Moshe was a baby, he was also placed into an ark. I mean, there... Noah sort of shepherded what was less left of humanity through the water. Moshe leads the Jewish people 
through the splitting of the sea, right? There's so many, so many connections. My favorite connection, I heard in the name of the Zohar, is that the floodwaters are called by um, the prophet Yeshaya, May Noach, the waters of Noach. In other words, on some level, the flood seemingly is being called after him. You don't, you don't want a disaster called after your name. You don't, because that means somehow you have some sort of tie to the disaster, seemingly, or maybe some level of responsibility. God forbid, right? So the floodwaters are called May Noach. And then when Moshe Rabbeinu, who we're saying is the Gilgul Neshama, the reincarnation of Noach, is defending the Jewish people after the Cheta Egel, after the sin of the golden calf, Hashem says, I'm going to wipe out, I'm going to wipe out the Jewish people and start over with you. Does that sound familiar? That's the story with Noach, right? Hashem says that to Moshe. Moshe says back, if you do that, erase my name from your book. And the word erase is Macheni. Macheni, if you rearrange the letters of Macheni, it's May Noach. The exact letters. So here you see a rectification that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to do in this incarnation to say, no, you, you don't do that. Okay? Okay, so now, so Hashem desired to give the Torah at the time of Noah. Now we know from many, many sources all over the place that Torah is compared to water. Torah and water. So Hashem desired to give the Torah. How many days did it rain for? For 40 days. How many days was Moshe at Mount Sinai for? 40 days. When the water came down and flooded the world, right? It turned the world into a mikvah. What is the measurements of a mikvah? 40 saw, 40 measurements of water. Okay? So, so the problem was, and now we're going to get personal because this is now going to reflect on us and, 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 and what we can do on a, in a practical way from, from these teachings. The problem was, is that the people weren't worthy of receiving the Torah. So this divine energy, this divine energy of Torah, came down not in its spiritual form, but in its physical form as water. Right? Because Torah and water are connected. In fact, I'll give you an amazing connection between Torah and, uh, and water. Right? We know, this is in the name of um, Rav Yitzhak Isaac Chaver, who is a disciple of the Vilna Gons. Listen to this. When we say the Torah, we know that when Hashem gave the Torah to Moshe at Mount Sinai, gave it letter by letter, word by word, and all the while that Hashem gave the written Torah, Hashem was also explaining what the written Torah meant. This is the oral Torah. This is the Torah Shabal Peh. So the written Torah and the oral Torah came down at the same time. Okay, this is very important for everyone to know. So, so that means that if water is compared to Torah, you should see both aspects of Torah within the word Mayim. Yes? Okay, so, so now listen to this. 
Mayim, the way Mayim is spelled, you have to look at the letters that you don't see. The, the inner letters. Okay? This is a form of gematria. So, Mayim is spelled Mem, Yud, Mem. Okay? So, how do you spell the letter Mem? Mem is spelled Mem, Mem. Okay? So, the unseen letter, if you will, is Mem. Then, it's the letter Yud. How do you spell Yud? Yud is Yud, Vav, Dalit. So, the unseen letters are Vav and Dalit. Vav and Dalit in Gematria add up to 10, which is Yud. Okay? Now, the last letter is Mem. Mem is spelled Mem Mem. So the unseen letter is Mem. So it's actually spelled, the unseen dimension of the word Mayim is Mem Yud Mem. Also Mayim. <laughs> so you see, within the word Mayim, within the written Torah, exists the oral Torah. Both Torahs are combined within the word Mayim. Not only that, but there's something very grammatically fascinating about the word Mayim, which is it doesn't exist in the singular. It's always in the plural. There is no singular version of the word Mayim. Because the oral Torah and the written Torah are organically formed as one. It's all one. Okay. So Hashem desired to give us the Torah, the energy of the Torah, but because we weren't worthy of receiving it in its purest form, it came down in its Gashmiistic state, in, its, in the state of its physicality, and it came down in the form of a flood, in the form of a destructive energy. So, so now, now let's get back to our own lives, okay? All the blessings are coming down right now. The question is, do we have the capacity to hold them? Do we have the capacity to receive them? So, you know... Someone told me, uh, he said, you know, you talk about vessels a lot. And I, I guess I do. I got it from Reb Shlomo, because he used to talk about vessels a lot. But I realized that I never formally explained the word vessels. I guess on some level it's pretty self-evident. But I think since this is kind of a, the, 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 the practical point that I'm trying to make right now, it's, it's, it's worth maybe just spelling out in detail. A vessel is a container. A vessel is something that can hold something, specifically a blessing. Okay? The ultimate... The, now, we can make vessels many different ways in our life, in terms of holding blessing. Okay? You can do it through improving a character trait. Any, basically, any spiritual advancement that you can do in your life creates a vessel. If you do it in a in, a, in an orderly way. In an orderly way. Like, some vessels, if you do something like crazy, like, see, a person has to be mindful that when it comes to spiritual and advancement, they can't skip steps. See, can you imagine? I made the greatest container, but I forgot to put the bottom on it. Right? Because I was in a hurry. <laughs> and then you look at all four sides of this vessel, and it's encrusted with jewels, but there's no bottom on it. You know, you know your shrine and your kapota are very nice, but are you are you ready to to wear that? You know, so one has to have a properly constructed vessel. So, assuming that someone is advancing in a spiritually advisable way, right? 
And remember the word halacha, which means the way, badly translated as Jewish law, it means the way or the flow, whatever it is, um, has the word holech in it, which means to walk, means to proceed orderly, in, a, in an understandable, intelligible way. Okay. So, so when one improves a character trait, and character traits are very, very primary in Torah, a lot of people think that, you know, you know there's mitzvahs, right? And then it's whether I'm a nice guy or not. And whenever I hear a rabbi talk, he's always talking about mitzvahs. So I guess I have to concentrate mitzvahs, and I guess it's not really that important whether I'm a nice guy or not. So, certain things are so basic, people don't even talk about them. And then when they don't get talked about, people think they're not important. But they don't realize that it's the most important thing. So, both of these things have to go together. You know, we always have to say over the Torah from Reb Chaim Vital, he was the great student of the Ari, and he said that a bad personality trait is much worse than an Avera. Because if someone does an Avera, some sort of mistake in terms of their performance of a mitzvah, um, that's an isolated event, and they can fix that Avera. But if someone has a bad character trait, it's a fountain of Averas. Because from that bad character trait is going to flow Chet after chet after chet after chet. Mistake after mistake. So that's why it's very, very primary that a person focuses on their personality and that they, they say, what is the source? They ask themselves, you know, I just did this thing and um, apparently I did something wrong. What was the source of it? And they have to identify, you know, what character trait it came from and then that will open their eyes to what aspect of their personality that needs to be targeted on. Now, the greatest vessel that we have in Torah is shalom. Shalom is peace. You know, you have in Hollywood, especially, a, um, a tragic drama that gets played out all of the time, which is someone who has... Actually, it's different aspects of what we're talking about right now. Someone who gets... Sudden success, that's like the torrent, and they don't have the vessels to hold it, and they get ruined by all of the media attention and all their exciting new group of friends and opportunities. They basically get destroyed by, 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 by this uh, change in their life. And a lot of the reason is because they don't have a vessel to hold the blessing. So peace is the ultimate is the ultimate blessing. And a lot of people, they, they have a lot of bracha, a lot of success in their life, but they're not happy. And happiness is a, is a great vessel, because happiness holds a blessing. And basically, happiness is a subset of peace. So, shalom has the word shalem, which means completeness in it. A person has to have this ability. One of the ways that you can have this ability is to create a meaningful relationship directly with God. One of the things that really throws people in a really bad way is that they're looking for their own completion through the eyes of other people. 
Excuse me. I'll tell you something that happened in my own life. And it's funny because I'm telling you this because I just read an article where someone said the exact same thing. They, they, they didn't put it in the words I'm going to put it, but they said the exact same thing. And I was like, wow, maybe I should write this person a letter, you know? Because um, anyway, when I was, when I was growing up, um, in high school especially, I really wanted to get into Harvard. And uh, it was, I, I don't want to call it an obsession, because um, that's a bit perhaps overly dramatic, but it's, uh, it was my keen, most fervent desire. And, and I remember the night before, I was to get my acceptance letter or rejection letter, I said to my mother the following thing. I said, you know, when you um, open up a can of Coke and you pour it into a glass and you see all the fizz and you never know where it's going to land, how much soda is actually in the cup, right? Could just be a little bit of soda, could be a lot of soda. You don't know. I said, that's how I feel about myself right now. I said, I'm about to find out how much stuff is actually in the cup. And what a terrible thing that I said. And I didn't realize it at the time. But basically what I was allowing myself to do was to have an outside force define my self-worth and my value. It's a terrible thing. A person can't have real peace if they're constantly looking to other people to define who they are. You're a Jew. This is who you are. You have God. You have the Torah. Shine. That's all you need to know. <laughs> really. Honestly. That's, that's all you need to know. Now, do the best job you can. I'll see you in 120. <laughs> and we'll all dance together. Honestly. Life is not more complicated than that. It really isn't. I, I, I know it sounds humorous, but it's... It, it, there's no joke there. There's no joke there. So, so, um, so now, with this in mind, with the idea, and I'm going to go deeper in a moment, I want to show you how you see it in the name of Hashem Himself, in the Yudke, Vavke, and in other places. But let me, let me just give you a, another formulation of what I'm talking about, in terms of this. See, I want to say, when, when, when parents bless their sons, specifically their sons, they say that you should be blessed, you should be like um, uh, Menashe and Ephraim, or Ephraim and Menashe, right? So, even though Menashe was older, by the way, Ephraim comes first. should be blessed like Ephraim and Menashe. So I want to say a new pshat, a new explanation of what this blessing means, Okay. The tribe assigned to the month of Tishrei is Ephraim. The tribe assigned to the month of Cheshvan is Menashe. So, so when you bless your child, you should be like Ephraim in Menashe. You're blessing your child, you should have potential, and you should have the vessels to hold the potential. Right? That's Tishrei, and that's Cheshvan. And again, what did we say? that the culmination of Cheshvan is going to be. The dedication of the third base of Mikdash. What is the ultimate vessel? The ultimate vessel is the base of Mikdash. 
The third base of Mikdash is going to be that receptacle which is going to hold all the blessings of Tishrei. All of the prayers of the Jewish people of all of history are going to wind up in this exalted vessel called the base of Mikdash, which is going to be dedicated in Cheshvan. You know, you even see another aspect of the duality of Cheshvan in the fact that when they announce the month, you know what people call Cheshvan? It's a little bit of a busha. It's a little bit of an embarrassment, which is why the Reb Shlomo community doesn't do it. It's called Mar Cheshvan. Mar means bitter. It's called bitter because it doesn't have a holiday. It's the only month in the whole year that doesn't have a holiday. Mar Cheshvan. Right? But Reb Shlomo reverses the two letters. He calls it Ram Cheshvan, which means the elevation. Ram means to pick up. means the elevation of Cheshvan. So when we announce the month in our show, we say, you know, Chodesh Ram Cheshvin, and then we give the date that it's going to arrive. Right? He's already tinkering with the DNA. <laughs> um, I'll tell you something else. What did we say? This is something that I noticed. We said that Hashem wanted to give the, the Torah at the time of Noah. The flood started the 17th of Cheshvin. 17 is Gematria Tov. What's so good about wiping out the world? Right? Right? But you know what? We said that God wanted to give the Torah. You know what it says? It says, when we put away the Torah, we say a Pasuk, we say, Ki lekach tov. God's given you a good gift. And the commentaries say, what is the good gift? What is the tov? The Torah. So you see, so the 17th of Cheshvin, tov, is hinting out the Torah. is hinting at the giving of the Torah. 